0: You're listening to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting. This week's episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands is dedicated to the memories of Justin Townsall, Riley Gale, and Mike Noga. With love and respect to their families, their friends, and their fans. May their music live on forever. This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal-Wongal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. Everyone, it's David James Young here for another week of all my friends are in bar bands. Oh man. Um. Normally, I'm I'm usually just like, hey, what's going on? It's we're we're back, and like, uh, I I'd love to be that person for you today, but man, it has been a, a rough couple of weeks mentally. I have just been in a not good place. I I, I don't want to get too like Mark Maron about it and just fucking treat you guys as my therapist for ten minutes, but. Yeah, things have been pretty rough, uh, just head-wise and, you know, trying to stay on top of things work-wise and relationship-wise and personal-wise, that's not even a word, but, like, that's just where I'm at at the moment, and, yeah, it's been difficult to get through, but I, at the very least, hope that you are doing okay and you, uh... In a good place, and you're checking in on your friends and your loved ones and your family, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry I can't be yeah super upbeat this week, but uh, you know there is there is something to be happy about, and that is uh, a really really fun chat here with a great musician, a great songwriter, and uh, as it turns out, a really really lovely person as well. Today's guest is Kate Cooper who I first heard the music of way back in the mid-2000s when they were in a band called Iron On, who had uh, a really, really great record around the mid-2000s called Oh The Romance that I was very, very fond of. Uh, A few years later, when that band split up, Kate and Damon Cox started a band called Anne Horse. And I've been a massive Anne Horse fan since I saw them for the first time opening for Death Cab for Cutie in 2008. I'm just so drawn to the way that Kate writes. The music of Anne Horse is so, so, so beautiful and so special. Uh, we didn't have that for several years. Uh, there was eight years between studio albums, but we finally got a new studio album in 2019 called Modern Air. And in 2020, just before lockdown, Anne Horse were able to complete... A national tour in which I saw them twice. I saw them play at the Old Bar in Melbourne, where they played the album Rearranged Beds, their debut album, and I also saw them play a set at Mulgara, which was a house show in Canberra. We recorded this episode just before Horse played at the Factory Floor in Sydney, and Kate took me through basically the entire history of Horse, the history of Iron On uh, solo career that never really went anywhere, best, worst gigs, everything. Like it's a, it's a really, really fun and uh, lovely chat with someone that I was just getting to know properly, uh, on that run. Kate is a really, really kind and, and thoughtful person and, uh, really, really thankful Kate took the time to speak to me, uh, for this podcast. Another big thank you to the wonderful, inimitable Sarah Tomo-Thompson from Poison City Records for helping to set this one up. And a very dear thank you to my good friend, Mr. Paul McWhorter for helping to set this one up as well. If you like this podcast and you would like to help support it in some way, shape, or form, there are a couple of things that you can do. Uh, leaving a review over on Apple Podcast, five stars, would be absolutely awesome. Telling people what we're doing over here, uh, word of mouth obviously helps a great deal, so that would be really, really great. And if you're in a position to do so, it would be absolutely awesome to have you over on Patreon supporting me and supporting this podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get early access to episodes, bonus content, playlists, a bunch of stuff from all over the shop from my work as a writer. A podcaster and a musician. If you are interested in joining up, please head over to patreon.com slash David James Young. That is P A T R E O N.com slash David James Young. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so barbandspod at gmail.com. B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. You can follow along on Instagram at NotForPrintPods, which is where you can find the latest on Bar Bands and also my other podcast that I do with my brother, The Big Show, Show, Show. We're about to wrap up the first season and we will have more stuff to share on that network very, very soon. You can follow me on Instagram at DJYWrites. You can follow along on Facebook at DavidJamesYoungWrites. All my friends are in BarBands.com. And that is going to do it. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, sorry for whinging. But uh, yeah, it, it's been a rough one. And uh, yeah, hoping hoping things improve. All right. Let's cross now to my chat from earlier this year with Kate Cooper from Anne Horse. James Young and all my friends are in Bar Bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Kate Cooper.
1: Hello. How are you? I'm a bit tired, but that's not unusual for yeah. me on tour.
0: Yeah. This is the fourth show in four days, yes?
1: I Five? It's have, have seventh. You... <laughs> oh, God, you've
0: been going for a literal week.
1: Yes, but we did have um, Sunday night off. But because I don't live here, we were in Melbourne, I had to visit friends, so I haven't uh, really yes. had a night off yet.
0: Obligation. You know. Yeah, yeah of course.
1: But all oh, good. No complaints. And like a run of eight is easy. So,
0: you know. Yeah, it's not your first rodeo. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is the first rodeo in a while though. In I Australia. Eight years.
1: In Australia. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, we did do one show in Brisbane a couple of years ago. It was like a one-off after Christmas because we oh, were both yeah. home. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the first proper tour. Yeah. Proper tour. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Friends of the Show, Moody Beaches and Kelso. How's it all been going for you, getting to come back and play a lot of places you haven't played in so long?
1: Or ever played. Indeed. Yeah, um, it's been awesome. It's so nice to be home and, you know, we get to tour with awesome bands and people and just really lucky to be Australians and have good mates and it's really nice. And to not have done it for eight years and come back and do it, it's pretty nice. Yeah,
0: definitely. It was actually at the last time you played in Sydney at Oxford Art Factory that I believe we spoke for the first time. What? Yeah. Oxford Art Factory. I think it was maybe with the gold coats?
1: Uh, no. That no, was that was a- the Annandale. Yes.
0: Yeah, so the tour after that. Who did that tour? Um, it was it was Oxford Art Factory. It was in the main room. Yes. It was yes. Like April 2012.
1: Yeah, it's the worst loadout of... Oh, the disco loadout. Yeah. Yes. I hate those. Who... I don't... I can't remember. The da- can I. Damon's really good at that stuff. I'm really bad at that stuff. Like, I can't even remember. Is when you need him, right? I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm not good at remembering that stuff
0: at all. I'll Google it after we're done, yeah. and I'll edit it in in Okay, post.
1: okay. So- I can tell you who it was. It was...
0: Boat Friends and the Rescue Ships.
1: Oh, of course it yeah, was! Yeah, 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 yeah. So my I'll... voice just got... <clears throat> deeper than Yeah, computer computerised yeah, for weird, some reason. Weird, sorry. <laughs>
0: But uh, no, I I remember it specifically because uh, you told me I was a dead ringer for Andy Hull, which I was very (laughs) flattered by.
1: (laughs) Wow. I'm like, I hope I was okay. I remember being extremely tired because that was the last night of a huge run of shows for us that ended there, I think. Kind of remember it ending there or maybe, I'm not sure where we were going or what was happening, but we had been moving a lot or we yeah. were going to keep moving and I remember being exhausted and then that disco loadout. And yeah, I saw when we were, when these shows were booked, I was like, is that the place? And Tom was like, no, no, it's a different
0: place. And I went, okay, Yeah, girl. they both have factory in the name. Yes. Which will get you.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And Damon <laughs> thought the same thing too. So I was like, no, it's a different place. I know it's a different place.
0: No, no disco loadout this time, but you are competing with a metalcore band upstairs.
1: Uh, that's cool. Yeah. We got that. Me, Tomo, and Damon used to work at Skinny's, so we're used to that. You know, I know my metal. (laughs) Hell yeah.
0: Good shit. So I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that you were maybe watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to switching over and being, this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play in a band. I want to make music. Can you tell me how music kind of affected into your childhood and your upbringing and if there was any kind of moment where it's just like, that's what I'm going to do?
1: Yeah, there's definitely one of those moments. I definitely was brought up around music, vinyl, Music. Um, My dad was really into music and we had a big record collection as a kid. And I remember, you know, like nursing Michael Jackson Thriller and just holding it. And you know when you're a kid, vinyl's so big. Yeah. You know, and you just like stare at it and I'd stare at that record for hours and just listen listen to it. And then there's also like Fame, like the 80s musical. I don't even... I didn't even see the film, but I just remember loving the soundtrack. And then Neil Young's Harvest, that was another one I remember. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Carole King's Tapestry, which to this day is one of the greatest albums ever made. So good. So like my whole life I had that. My dad was really into music and, you know, we'd always listen to music together driving. And then I went to my first show when I was 14 or 15 and my dad took me out of school, which was a big deal because I had really strict family. And parents, and we went to see the Rolling Stones. Whoa! Yeah, it's cool. And the wildest thing is, is that was my first show. I remember watching it, going, "Oh, oh, well, this is you can do this." Yeah. And then I was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to do this," just like the Rolling Stones, no big deal. And Damon, who's a little bit older than me, was actually really very young but he was roadieing at that gig like a oh local road crew yeah oh, and he has the shirt the local road crew shirt and i have the
0: merch shirt that's amazing. from that show so is that the voodoo lounge yeah yeah, like yeah. 93
1: 97 no, 94 maybe yeah i don't yeah, know okay, not yeah. 97 definitely before that 90 90- yeah because
0: oh yeah 97 was bridges to babylon so voodoo lounge oh was God. like 93
1: 94 yeah you know that. That's incredible.
0: <laughs> Me and a friend of the show, Tom Busby from Luca Brasi, have a long history of being obsessed with the shit era of Rolling Stone. But still so awesome. Like eighty, like, late 80s onwards, like, yep. all those records just... I,
1: they're still good. They're still great.
0: Hey? Yeah.
1: Like... <laughs> There's gold in there. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you grew up in Brisbane?
1: No, I grew up on the Gold Coast. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a weird one because, like, you're just on the outs, on the, on like, on the outside of any kind of music community and stuff like that. So, like, nothing. Yeah. In order to get to anything, you've got to go into the city. Yeah.
1: And there wasn't really a train running when I was a kid. Not until like. Just as I was in the end parts of high school, mm. and I went to a really strict private all-girls school, and uh, so there was nothing for me. There was, and I remember when Triple J became a national radio station. I was pretty young, early high school, um, but that was pretty life-changing for me. Yeah, because uh, I like discovered Magic Dirt and bands oh, like that, and I was like, "Oh, yes. a lady can do it too!" Hell yeah! So yeah, so that was cool. I have other friends who grew up on the coast who had more like better access to. All ages shows and stuff like that, but I had a pretty strict and weird upbringing. Cool. Yeah. Like, just, I was a skeg. I just surfed a lot and no music.
0: Yeah, right. I
1: mean, I was playing music in my bedroom, but nowhere to go
0: see shows. So, how old were you when you played live for the first time?
1: I would have been, so I moved to Brisbane for university. So, okay. I would have been like uh, 18 or 19. Right.
0: So, you didn't play at all in high school or no. anything? No. Yeah.
1: No, I played in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. To no one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> was that kind of a terrifying prospect? Then, kind of, you know, li- literally leaving the bedroom. And, no, and kind of
1: I, was, I was so hungry for it. Yeah, I was really sure. into it, so I couldn't wait. So I, I was stoked to find people that I was stoked to get to Brisbane and find a community that was pretty sick. So.
0: So what was the first thing you did? Was it solo stuff?
1: No, I played in a couple bands around Brisbane that just through people i met or i i had a i played guitar in a duo where there was just a girl singing and mm. me playing guitar in a band called tufnell um as in nigel tufnell from spinal tap oh nice yeah and so that was kind of the first thing that i ever did where we recorded music
0: yeah no nice. um at this juncture friend of the show kelly from camp cope walks in oh kelly
1: i'm <laughs> <laughs> just do big fun oh.
0: <laughs> there it is but,
1: we don't even need to say who that was.
0: <laughs> was that that Was that the first th- thing you performed live with?
1: No, the first band I performed live with will remain unnamed. Oh, really? Was it that bad? Yes.
0: <laughs> well, at least what kind of music was it?
1: You know, in fairness, it probably
0: wasn't that bad. <laughs> A little bit
1: bad, but I was learning and um, it was just still kind of rock stuff. Yeah, you know? right, right, yeah. right.
0: Not, not, sure. not Rolling Stones level, I'm assuming.
1: No, I still haven't got there. Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> One day.
1: No, I hope not. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I don't want to tour that much. Yeah, true, true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Moving to Brisbane, finding finding your people, how, how do you go about that? Is it just the kind of thing at uni where you just, like, clock someone in the same band shirt? Just like, oh, I like that band too, or is it, like... Yeah, friends kind of. of friends, yeah, like, just yeah.
1: friends. And, and then, yeah, just at university, I think I met people and then started going to shows and would see people around. And, and then and then it was like, oh, well, let's do this. Let's get a drummer and let's get yeah. a bassist. And, and then it was just like putting the word out.
0: Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. When and where was the first On show?
1: I have no idea. Let really? me think. Hold on. I have to – it's like deep within my memory. I have to access it. I'm trying Good to think. Um, it might have been at – I think it was at the Gabba Hotel.
0: Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was like a punk and rock and, like, it was a triple Z venue, so kind of, like, they had a lot of cool shows on. They used to back in the day. A lot of punk stuff.
0: That's the first time where I can imagine your music is getting attention outside of that immediate bubble of Brisbane. Yeah. You know, that's where I hear you for the first time, because the video for Learn Today, You and Tomorrow was played on Rage.
1: Oh yeah. yeah Okay cool
0: So you used to watch that all Like every other weekend
1: That was filmed in Kelly Lloyd's car The backseat of her car no I think shit Yeah I think so Yeah And you guys played together On Monday Yeah we did Full circle Yeah And I like <laughs> Scream feeded one well, One of the bands That I listened to Going oh yeah I could do that like, Totally Yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, did I and Play with them Back in the day
1: I think, we, I think so Yeah yeah yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. we played A bunch together Yeah like
0: Oh four or five, they put a record out. So I can yes. imagine we would have been playing yeah. around that time. And it was
1: a good record too. What was that yeah. called? Uh... I can't remember. It had
0: Ice Patrol on it, which is like yeah. one of my favourite songs. Yeah, of yeah, theirs. yeah. Yeah. What What was that period like for you? Like in terms of, like you said, you're still fi- learning and still figuring things out. And uh, how how are you kind of processing that as a as a young artist? You know, like with at least some minuscule degree of attention on what you're doing? Like, are you somewhat self-conscious or are you kind of gaining more confidence with each tour and each performance and stuff like that? I'm not sure I've ever been
1: self-conscious, maybe to my detriment. I was just having a good time and all I wanted to do was play music. I wanted to write music and play music and be around it. Yeah, it was cool, just playing around a lot locally and it was awesome.
0: Yeah. At what point did things kind of run their course there because like I know the kind of end of that band and the start of Anhorse horse kind of overlap with one another
1: yeah so 2006 or no 2007 I don't know when did 7 yeah so Damon and I worked at Skinny's record store
0: yes indeed
1: yeah we worked there for a good year or two year or so before we actually started playing music together and there was just a PA at the uh, at the shop because we'd have in-stores and yeah. we'd always go to shows because we'd always be on the door because we sold tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'd always get drunk at shows and go, Let, let's have a jam, let's do that. And then it took us a year and we did it. And I think we did it at the record store. We closed the shop early. It's closed now, it's okay. Yeah,
0: exactly. Look at that, get fired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: so then, you know, I think I had played a show as Anne Horse, which was a solo show.
0: Right.
1: With Deonora, who's one of my favourite... Artist from the states who's really awesome you should definitely check him out then I had another show booked and I think I played one or two solo and then I had another show booked and I said Damon do you want to jump up and play drums because I think he one of his bands was playing as well and his drums were there and I said do you want to jump up on two or three songs and he went yeah and then we did that and it got a really good reaction and we just the minute we played together it felt great and when you play music with someone you have to learn their musical language and he just him and i spoke the same musical language because so i was playing music in iron on still and there's of course two songwriters in that band yeah me, me and ross and so because we would go between songs mm-hmm. i had a whole bunch of songs just sitting there and i was like hey damon here's a cd have a listen to these and let's work on some stuff so we did that and then we were like played it just shows we just kept getting some shows and we had some money and we're like okay let's go record some songs so we did that nice yeah and then offered a big tour in the states and mm. it was around the time where the other Ionons were looking to travel not so much and settle down a bit yeah. and i was still really hungry to keep going and explore and play shows yeah was it a tour.
0: matter of like making up for lost time because like you didn't have that and like Cliched kind of like normal start of like starting out in high school and kind of you know getting that early intake. Like the fact that you know you're coming to it not heaps later. Like you're not like definitely later. Definitely later for sure.
1: I think it was just like a cool opportunity, and I had yeah. met in Damon someone who was as hungry as me. Yeah, and willing to do things that maybe normal people wouldn't be willing to do, like sure. go away and live in a suitcase for a year or two. Yeah. Like, you know.
0: My first Anhorse show is down the road at the Enmore Theatre in 2008. You are opening for Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah, cool. Uh, what do you remember about that run? Because, like, I can imagine it's one thing to, you know, kind of be, you know, playing bars with screen Feeder or whatever. It's another thing entirely to be doing theatres. Like, that's a fucking intimidating prospect.
1: I think Anhorse do better in theatres. I gotta be you real. you reckon? Yeah, because I think that's, like, where we kind of really went very quickly from playing local shows to playing theatres in the States yeah. to a couple thousand people. So the Death Cab run was awesome. Um, I actually knew them from Iron On stuff because they had played in Brisbane and we were one of oh, six people. Was that the
0: Something for Kate?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we all went down to Byron to see them because Ian Rogers from Iron had been in Seattle and heard of them and got we are the facts and we are voting yes before, when it was a local what release. A I know. I know. And so that really influenced my songwriting and so we all went down to Byron Bay to see them play and, and no shit we were there were six of us in the room, which you know is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's crazy to think about now. Isn't yeah, no, it,
1: it was all, it was crazy even then. Uh, then they did a in store at Rocking Horse, and they borrowed one of my guitars, so I kind of knew them a little bit. And yeah, wow. um, I don't really even remember how we got that tour. I'm not sure. I think they saw us in the states. I think we played with them and Tegan and Sarah in Vegas, and yeah, they saw right. us and went. From there, we just got some more shows with them, and that Huge. that tour was awesome. And they're yeah. really nice guys and. To this day, they're still mates of ours. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. What is your kind of approach going from, like, playing to a room of people that know who you are and, you know, in that kind of confined small pub environment to getting up there and playing to a largely alien, unfamiliar audience? Does the approach, like, change at all? Or is it a matter of just kind of being the exact same people that you would be if you were doing your own show?
1: I'm pretty sure where are pretty similar, but yeah. I think that we do like the challenge. You yeah. know, if I walk into a room where no one knows me it, or, you know, we're going to play music to a bunch of people that know, don't know us, it's, you know, I like to work a little bit harder and try to have them... You know, in the palm of my hands by the end of the show. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd still do that when I know people that know us, but it's a little more... I'm not sure if it's anything conscious, to be honest, but yeah. it does happen. Yeah? yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Well, a lot's happening around this time. Like you said, you're playing with Tegan and Sarah, you're playing with Death Cab, you play Letterman, which is, mm-hmm. you know, like a huge deal for any band, let alone an Australian <laughs> yeah. band, like... Yeah. Like, what do you remember about that? Like, I can imagine that's uh, another, like, super full-on kind of prospect. Yeah, it was
1: crazy, but it it was... At that time, we had just signed with a pretty big... A pretty cool label in the States, and it was just really hectic. Mm. A lot of press and a lot of awesomeness, and I remember... uh, Letterman we had to cancel another show we had booked and I remember that the day after Letterman or the night after Letterman we had to drive because we had a show in like Windsor, Ontario or somewhere like that where we played two university students eating lunch in a food court so
0: you know (laughs) searing highs and crushing lows yeah that's music for you (laughs) yeah right
1: but i mean it was really cool so yeah yeah Yeah. yeah.
0: like as we've kind of touched upon this is a huge huge run like going pretty much straight from that into the walls era and then kind of touring that pretty Mm -hmm. consistently for like two years Mm -hmm. and like you said you were you and damon were really really hungry for it Given the proximity between Walls and Modern Air, I can only assume there was, uh, like, a breaking point. There was a burnout moment.
1: Yeah, definitely burnt out. Um, And, yeah, I just, like, I hadn't been home for since 2008. And I didn't really have a home. Yeah. And I think it was during Walls. I'm not really sure. But my mum had a brain tumour. Right, And she had that removed pretty successfully, which was great. And yeah, she yeah, was yeah. fine. And that was cool. But it was kind of stressful. I was on the road and yeah, it was weird. And, and then... Not
0: being able to be there directly yeah, in person. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was kind of crazy. Just like a lot. Um, and, then, and then we just toured a bunch more. And then we finished up a tour in Vancouver. With, and then my dad got sick with brain cancer. And I was just like, you know, I think I just need to stay still and be around the people I love. Because I had this yeah. kind of realisation that... I was never with the people I loved and that life was short and draining and I was missing out. Yeah. So that was when I went, I have to stop. Yeah. For a bit. So it sucked and it was brutal.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. But
1: that is life.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course at what point do you kind of come back to performing i know you had like a little solo project going as well for a while yeah the solo
1: thing was weird that was like more the label pushing me to do co-writes which i wasn't super into yeah and i did a bunch of co-writes with this one guy and the label were like we want to put this out as like let's do it as an extend horse record and i was like it's not an horse yeah definitely not they were like okay let's just put it out as a record and i was like okay and then it was around that time where I was like, okay, so I'm kind of off and horse now. And instead of like chilling out and taking time off the road, the label is planning the next 18 months of my life. And that's when I just went, no, I'm not going to do that. And the minute I said, I'm not going to do that is when the Kardashians used a song (laughs) and I was like, Oh God. So then I, I think I only had like so my dad passed away and that was long and protracted and then so kind of during that period i didn't really play music because i did not really want, didn't really want to write sad songs because the thing about writing sad songs is you have to live with them for your yeah. whole life true. <laughs> so i didn't i kind of got to the point where i was like i don't want to be singing sad songs and i don't want to be writing sad songs and also like i don't want to be making people feel sad i want people to like come to my shows and feel good and hopeful and yeah yeah. I mean, so me and Damon kind of Damon was back in Australia for a bit and it was only kind of like 18 months, 2 years where we stopped doing stuff. And then and then we slowly just got back to it. Damon moved to New York and then which is quite close to where I live in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah, we just started jamming. He would come up and then we would send each other stuff and it just took us a long time because neither of us really were in a very big hurry to get back to it. We were just like, you know, if people are going to come they're going to come. If not that's cool. We're still going to play music anyways cuz we like it. So,
0: yeah. Was there a point where you maybe thought that you wouldn't come back to it? Was there ever yeah, a point definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely. 100%. I didn't want to do it. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. I didn't want to play music. Didn't want to go to shows. Just 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 was done. Absolutely bereft of any love I had for it. It was all gone. But then it came back.
0: How did how did how did that kind of come about?
1: I think it was stopping. You know, sometimes friends would pass through town. Like I remember Mon- uh, in Montreal, Violent Soho passed through town yeah. and their mates of mine um, from back in the day it's and Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> I actually tutored them at university. You're kidding? No, yeah, it's pretty funny. Good students. <laughs> um, no, I have no memory. And I, you know, I watched them play, and I was like, oh, I'd be. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm ready to play play some shows. And so I, I remember, and also I didn't really technically leave music because I got a job producing music and yeah. the music I do for that job is heard far more than any of the music I've <laughs> slaved my heart out for. Like soundtrack stuff? Um, ads.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah,
1: film and TV stuff. Um, so I produce a lot of that stuff and, and I really love that stuff because it's kind of anonymous and i still get to work in music i just really really love music and i hate the bullshit that goes with being an artist but i love creating music and i love making music and so it's kind of perfect for my personality i think i started doing that job and then just you know come home and listen to records and buy you know just my record collection started getting out of control and yeah
0: it, it just comes back in waves doesn't it just yeah in a big way yeah
1: so when the time came everyone that we wanted to work with who had worked with us previously was like yeah okay let's go back to work fine. so so yeah and so we did
0: what was the first run of shows like back it was after with- all of that
1: it was weird. It was, I mean, it wasn't weird. It was with the front bottoms. Right. So it was big shows. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: and it was really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, and it felt good and it kind of felt like I hadn't left. But yeah. I had a little more tank, gas in the tank. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah.
0: So do you feel like you're in a good place now in terms of your relationship with performing and touring yeah. and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, I still find touring a real struggle. Yeah. Um, you know, I love playing so much. Yeah. But I hate the touring part i think i have a pretty healthy balance now and i've learned mm. to say no yeah so right. i say no to a lot of things so i just said no to two pretty big so it's kind two. of
0: just operating on your own terms yeah
1: and yeah. i kind of realized i got it. that's how i keep the love in it and you know like we were offered two big six week tours in the states and i just couldn't do it and i kind of beat myself up i'm like oh i should blah blah, blah do it and i can't and uh, but now I'm like oh, it's it's okay, you know. Other stuff will come if it's meant to. And yeah, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, that sounds like it's a good place to be and like mentally,
1: mentally, yeah. Because I I needed to look after my mental health better, yeah. and I just needed to be a better partner and a better daughter and yeah, a better person. So that's kind of more important to me now than music. And the better I am at that, the more I'm able to do music in a way that. I'm really happy. And, mm. Yeah.
0: So it's just finding that balance yeah. between the two worlds. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And
1: also, you know, I get old. You get older, and your priorities kind of shift. Like music's still up there. Yeah. But it's just different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's about finding out where it factors in, as opposed to kind of just putting it on top of everything. Yeah. else. Yeah.
1: And not killing myself over it.
0: True. Yeah.
1: Because it can do that. It, it can, really can. Yeah. So. <laughs> A living proof out there, or lack thereof. Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally, exactly. Yes, very right. So, yeah, it's a good balance, and I still get to be really creative and make a lot of music, so...
0: That's all you can hope for. Yeah. All right, so we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, Mm -hmm. I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn, I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played.
1: (sighs) Jesus.
0: Yeah, right? That's why we save it to last.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) I, I feel like Damon has this, like... <clears throat> insane memory Where he can remember All these shows Yeah yeah I mean one of the worst shows Would have been We went on tour With friends of ours Called Silver Sun Pickups A bunch yeah. We've toured with them a lot oh, I, I'm,
0: I'm aware yeah. I know the band
1: Okay they're awesome Yeah We did a tour with them In the UK And we were the opening band mm-hmm. And uh, the middle band Was on the management label Of Silver Sun And they weren't The coolest people That tour in general Was rough Because we had to share A van with these people And I think there was a few shows on that tour where like these guys had like monitors and f- like all this set up and just ate every night, eight hour sound check time.
0: Yeah, right. So
1: I feel like some of those were pretty bad, but like really bad shows. I don't know. I tried, I think I've blocked them all out. I hope there haven't been too many.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: or, you know, once we played on the Gold Coast and it was like really bad, just Gold Coast people.
0: Shark Bar?
1: I, it was in Burley. We were talking... It was with I Heart Hiroshima. Oh, true. Yeah, and it was just like a really
0: weird show. At this point, we're joined by an horse drummer, Damon Cox.
1: Just talking about the best and worst shows. Hello. I'm trying to think about it. I'm thinking the Burley show with I Heart Hiroshima. Just trying to think. And I said that you would I'm remember. <laughs> Our be- uh, wor- worst, worst shows. shows. Yeah, worst show. Worst choice. Experience. I was just thinking like some with... That band I will, that will remain nameless on the Silver Sun Pickups tour in the UK. Just like them eating soundcheck. They, were, they weren't bad shows though. I thought they, they were always good shows, but just bad experiences. Um, bad. Uh, what happens before the show and after the show, but the show it was itself good. was probably okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a hard one. But best show um. would be like every show feels pretty good. Big, big. We prefer the big theaters. They're really fun. So. Big support shows are always fun. Yeah, there's a lot more energy in the room, and some of those Tegan and Sarah um, shows were pretty mind blowing. Mm. Yeah, the Death Cab shows were pretty fun. He was at. Were you at the N.Y. Yeah, at oh, the N.Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That was so so long ago. That's yeah. all we good. Um, uh, <laughs> how are you doing? doing all right. Good. Okay. Cool. Sorry, I just barged in. No, I think uh, I think we're done. I was just walking
0: in and uh, <laughs> <laughs> saw you guys.
1: Yeah, just worked <laughs> out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> the album's Modern Air. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. Kate, thank you so much for your time today. Thank much you much for having us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for being had. I'm David James Young, and all my friends in You've just listened to a not for print podcast, independent Australian podcasting.